Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our continued coverage from Tribeca Film Festival and our review of State Like Sleep. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Stephen Miller. And for joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. For these next several reviews, there will all be films that are playing at Tribeca Film Festival where we are seeing them, and we're just talking to you about them so you can decide if you want to see them when they eventually come out so spoiler free of course because why have a spoiler section when nobody can watch the movie for months yeah yeah, yeah. um but uh yeah so this is the this is our third film we're reviewing while sitting on the floor of our airbnb mm-hmm. so uh hopefully this goes well <laughs> my old man self is getting a little cramped <laughs> i'm I'm basically laying on the ground now, like lazily reclining with my feet stretched. So I feel good, but my arms are going to hurt probably 10 minutes into this review. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but that's okay, because I think we're probably excited to talk about oh, State oh, yeah. Sleep. So uh, once again, this probably has no trailer, so we can just sort of jump into the review. Uh, basically, State Like Sleep is the story of a young photographer who um, has uh, her her husband has passed away, and after some time, she is going back to kind of she's sort of forced into going back and kind of cleaning up their shared apartment that they had, and that kind of puts her into a drive to dive in to try to figure out actually what happened towards the end of her husband's life (laughs) um but uh yeah stephen miller what did you think of state like sleep so going into the festival based on the cast alone this was the thing i was most excited for i believe uh i mean it stars Catherine waterston and michael shannon how much better than that can you get Um, (laughs) not much better and i am happy to report that this totally totally matched slash exceeded my expectations um I think this is a wonderful film. I think it is by far the most sure of itself and tonally consistent of the movies I've seen at Tribeca so far, even including Tolly, which I liked a great deal. I I just think this movie is right up my alley, right? This is a film with excellent acting. Um, Catherine Waterston and Michael Shannon obviously can't go wrong, um, but they really, really outdo themselves here. Um, Michael Shannon in particular plays against type in this movie in a way that I've never seen him do before. I've never, I'm not sure if I've ever seen him as a love interest in a movie or as like a, a heartfelt average human being. And it is amazing to me how well he pulls it off here, given the, whatever it is that he exudes in every other movie that is as far from lovable as you can get. Well, it, it is funny though, because he's at least... You know, recently, he, he he always has like sort of a mean streak to the characters that he's playing. Mm-hmm. At least they seem intimidating to me. Um, so it's weird seeing him in this role. Like I, I almost don't feel he's against type. It's just seeing a person being very caring while looking visually like maybe threatening. <laughs> yeah, weird wh- for me. What, whatever he was doing, he nailed it. And Catherine Waterston, I mean give her all the awards she she carries this movie almost every frame of this movie is centered on her face and she's just so like wonderfully emotive i love the way like she she can use just her eyes to kind of show how a character's feeling from scene to scene um and the the themes of this movie th- this is basically a 
a noir film, a neon noir, if I can use the the phrase that the Gemini movie kind of inspired, um, about grief and about processing grief and moving on and dealing with emotions and history. Um, I just found it very, very, very moving. It has this cool ambient tone that felt very Blade Runner to me even. It's very 80s, very seductive. Everything's brightly lit. And it. so the film is set in Brussels, and I've only spent one night in the city proper in Brussels. It was a very drunken night, <laughs> going out from <laughs> club to club. It was right after a big scary presentation and i just was like riding the high of it having gone well and it was just enjoying being dizzy and lost in the city that is exactly the way the movie shows it it's a mishmash of like beautiful old architecture and new kind of seedy um nightlife and i think that is just perfect for this nightcrawler type thing that this movie is going for i i thought it was moving i thought it was beautifully shot I found it gripping. I love it. It leaves like a trail of breadcrumbs of what mystery is going to unfold in this film as she kind of investigates the death of her husband. Um, I love the way it builds and resolves those um, those breadcrumbs in a way that didn't feel too over the top. It felt right for the movie. And yeah, I don't. I I love this movie. Definitely my favorite one of the festival so far. Really? Yeah. Dang. Um, yeah, so I think I think I still liked Tully more. Um, I think that's less about the filmmaking and more just about the story that it's is being told. Um, but I think I think this film is very good. Um, it's we've sort of joked half on air, half not on air that this is sort of like a if you if you take Gemini make it much better and then smash it in with uh, blue night. Uh, it's sort of like puts you into the mode of like what this film is doing. Um, uh, yeah, Mike, Michael Shannon's great. He's, I mean, he's, he's a very small part on this film, but his moments are great. Uh, and Catherine Watterson is fucking amazing in this film so much so that like, I feel weird. Like it's hard for me to rationally talk about this film because she's just such a captivating person. And like her performance in the film is really, really great. And like, drew me in a lot and it was it was like just watching the film i was like i think i like this film a lot a lot a lot but also i, <laughs> I might be giving it a bump above you're, you're not <laughs> okay good um but no I, I i enjoyed it i enjoyed the the sort of mystery around it it is kind of um not funny it, it's, it's very interesting because there is a large time jump within the story mm-hmm. and um this is about a woman who up until this moment um, in the story in the current day didn't really put too much like she had a very big assumption about what was going on at the time um, her and her husband were getting ready to they were, they were sort of in the middle of a separation when this event happened um, and she sort of if, if I can just assume like character wise uh, I didn't write the story but it felt like she sort of took the events that were happening at that time and used that as a mental block to make her not concentrate on what was happening. Uh, they, there's this really interesting thing where the, the circumstance surrounding her diving back into the story relates to their shared home needing to be put on the market now. But when they go there, time has not changed right. from the moment of the event that happened. So like 
there's this there there's a bouncing back and forth between back then and now but there's also this frozen moment in time which is the thing that she is centered around moving forward so it's like the time gap allows her character to make decisions in the real world outside of the event that don't feel jarring because there isn't a recency to what happened but there's still the recency due to like this frozen state of i know there's something really interesting about what is 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 being done in the story that made it very captivating and just like very interesting i think that the uh this is also one of those films where like as things are figured out it's not just about like oh and now we're solving the mystery it's like more stakes are placed on top of it as time goes on Mm -hmm. and like surrounding characters are brought into the fold like the story doesn't affect these other characters but the plot allows for them to be privy to information that suddenly adds weight to their exterior situations it's it's, it's hard to talk about but yeah it's, it's funny because watching it in the moment like for most of this film i was thinking in my head about inherent vice and the way that that movie built up noir like piling on twist after twist after twist only to lead nowhere right like the twists were just there to build tension out of a thing that is inherently unknowable and i i thought this movie was going to do that too and without giving too much away like it it doesn't this this wraps it up in i think a very tidy emotional bow that is very different from what like the pinchon stuff is going for yeah yeah um yeah i so you were comparing it to blue knight and i definitely think this also has that theme of other people existing in your life just to kind of pass the baton keep you alive a few more hours take the burden off just to who knows what will happen later but for like that transient moment of time two people can connect to each other um in the q a afterwards the director uh what was her name meredith meredith danluck i i don't feel bad about that because it's her first feature film so i don't know that she was a known entity a amazing debut by the way yeah. um but she talked about how she was inspired by Wan Kar Wai, uh, the movie In the Mood for Love, which I don't know if you've seen. It, it, it's mm-hmm. a really, really, really good uh, Hong Kong movie from mid-90s, I think, early 90s. And it's about uh, two people who are married who live next door to each other. Like They're both one half of a married couple where the other half is clearly cheating on them. Um, and they kind of bond over this shared feeling of having been abandoned it, it it's very lost in translation in that it's like a a romance that isn't quite a romance that is just happening with two people that are in a stage of their life when they can't commit it to being any more than that yeah and i really liked that aspect of this movie i think it just i don't know it, it strikes a tone that that had all the right emotions for me um yeah i don't know i I, I really liked the the production design of this movie, the the nightclub scenes. We haven't even mentioned Luke Evans yet, who <laughs> dyed his ha- let, dyed let, his hair blonde and became like an EDM trash club owner. Yeah, let, let, let's let's be honest. Though. I mean, I think on this on this history or on in the history of this podcast, we haven't been huge fans of Luke Evans. <laughs> he's been in some stinkers. <laughs> I'm I'm on board for this one. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, he, he's he's fine in this one. Um, I just, I just mean that like, there's a reason we usually, we usually only mention him in a negative. Yeah, I, I, I like him here. He he brings a aura of like 
hazy, psychedelic, you know, druggy everything to this movie. Like, the name State Like Sleep could be interpreted a few ways. It can be grief being a state like sleep, right? And kind of this year, you mentioned time being frozen, and I think her for her character, time has frozen. Like, she's never really processed what happened. The world has stood still, and she's in a haze that is a little bit like sleeping, but isn't like sleeping. Um, you could also interpret it as being all of the like drug use that the her former husband, and then in the process of this movie, her a little bit are going through, where you're just kind of gliding through the world, numbing yourself. Um, and there's just there's something really powerful to me about the moments in this movie toward the end where you see her thaw a little bit and open herself up to the world again that ah, it hit, hit me in the right place. <laughs> um. Oh, there's a great conversation in this movie, too, uh, between her and Michael Shannon about words that feel like what they mean yeah. when you say them, like curvy and anguish and... Uh, Burden that and zoink. <laughs> yeah, in, in the Q and A after this movie, <laughs> Catherine Watterson said zoinks, and Michael Shannon went on an extended riff about how he funded the movie by selling chocolate bars to his friends. So that that bumped the movie up too. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know. There, there's just lots of little little playful moments in this movie. Uh, a moment involving shampoo as well that which is amazing oh yeah amazing and they don't necessarily need to be in the movie it, it isn't clear what they're doing but the movie just kind of provides this ambient space where all of these little ideas feel like they fit well but but i think i think even in that scene uh because she is looking for some sort of outlet in that moment and she puts her in a situation where like she you can't tell whether she thinks it's funny or frightening, but then she also sees that this other person needs that. And she like, seems like there's like a little bit of a, this is okay. And like, but it's also strange. Like I helped this person in this moment when I was trying to help myself in a moment. And I don't know, there, there's something in, it's like weird and endearing about it. (laughs) It it is endearing. And I I don't want to get, I don't want to lean too heavily on this, but I think it is clear that this movie was directed by a woman in that it it approaches some of those intimate moments in a in a way that feel vulnerable and not like gazing or exploitative. Like I, I feel like that scene could easily have been done in a way where it would be very uncomfortable for the character and you would think she is in danger or she is being forced into a situation she doesn't want to be in. And the the movie just navigates it in a way where you're always kind of in her head and on her side. Yeah. Which I I dug. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Um yeah, there 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 is something that I do want to ask you, but we might have to save it for off the air. Um there's just there's a there's a moment in the middle of the film where Luke Evans makes a statement during like a sort of druggy moment and that statement is not followed up on. Well, it's, I I think it's a metaphorical statement, but we can talk about it off air. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about it off air. I do just want to say, I I love the look and feel of this movie. There are so many nice discreet shots. Like her character is supposed to be a fashion photographer. Um, and so a, a lot of this movie, at least the connective tissue is her 
walking around Brussels or sitting in her hotel room and trying to frame shots the right way. Uh, there's one of her smoking in front of a window in the night and just trying to like capture the look of that smoke steaming up the rainy window outside that yeah. it, it, it just has like so many little bits like that. This never felt clunky or rough in the way that say blue night felt rough where you knew the aesthetic they were going for, but they couldn't quite get there. Yeah. This, this felt like they were like in total control of the aesthetic and it, it never felt choppy or out of place. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Well, uh, should we get into verdicts? Yep. Cool. Uh, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? A must-see, absolutely. And I will be surprised if this doesn't make a top 10 list at the end of the year. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a must-see for me as well. Uh, it is... It, it, it's another... It's a thing that proves that we aren't the only people with a shitty rating system. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that this... Like pulling out the app and trying to rate a film for the audience award is is a thing that is getting to be super annoying. Yeah, so Tribeca makes you rate one to five stars yeah, for I mean, everything. Yeah, so, so they allow you to rate, Stephen. They don't mm-hmm. make you. I mean, they hassle you as you're walking out of the theater and tell you, please, please vote for the audience award. Um, but much like the audience award for the San Francisco Film Festival, I don't rate things that I very much don't like. Mm-hmm. And I rate things that are positive enough that like I'm trying to rate them but yeah i just it, it's very hard to rate a thing <laughs> when you just have five stars so for, no for what it's worth on the film festival scale i rated it five stars in my mind that is the must-see rating three would mean rental four would mean recommend with a caveat so yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm just going by that more than one movie is probably going to get five stars at this festival i'm i think i give totally five stars also i'm, I'm cool with it cool <laughs> Um, but yeah so that is our review of State Like Sleep Stephen Miller people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that people want to find me they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show if you want to subscribe to the podcast you can do so in Overcast in Stitcher in Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly and you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from various Tribeca Film Festival jingles, so hopefully you're enjoying that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're going to go take off. We have some more films to watch and some more reviews for you to listen to. So we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.